0: If you have not become a patron of the Geocache Talk Network, what are you waiting for? Patron levels start as low as a bison tube level at $3 a month. To sign up is easy. Simply go to the Geocache Talk website and click on the Become a Patron button or go to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk. Patrons now get the famous blackout coin, invites to special events, and other really great items throughout the year. Become a patron today.
1: And sponsored by SmashingPennies.net. Get 10% off your order
2: with code geocache Talk Network. They are perfect to put
1: in a geocache. LogWork, the creators of the fantastic logbook, made with genuine right in the rain paper, the logbook's designed for the micro-containers of the present and future, geared towards the height who'd rather go caching than doing cache maintenance. Find them at logwork.com, that's L-O-G-W-E-R-K.com.
0: Don't miss out and subscribe today.
3: Come to challenge talk part of the geocache talk network. You can watch the show live on the first Sunday of each month for now. We'll get to that later. Feel free to jump over to YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter to watch the broadcast live and join the wonderful and active chat room, or listen to the entire show later on your favorite podcast
2: player. In this episode, we're going to talk, oh, wait a minute. I said we're going to talk creating challenges with monkey bread. Maybe that's not the best thing. We'll talk about creating a little bit, but I think maybe conversation with monkey bread might be better.
3: Sounds good. We also have prizes to give away each show to our listeners. Between each show, be sure to email your Challenge Cash Finds to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com and you could be a winner.
2: Later on in the show, we'll also play our special game exclusively for our live audience, the Wheel of Challenges. So listen live, get your email app ready, and follow instructions when the time comes so you can have a chance at winning tonight's grand prize.
3: And at the end of the show, we'll highlight some of the challenge caches you found and someone will win our coveted monthly giveaway. So hello, Tim, how are you doing?
2: Great. It's been a very good month. So oh,
3: that sounds good.
2: <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to? Well, I uh I had to go to a wedding and it was for my son's best friend, and I got the best treat of all. I got to babysit my grandkid overnight. Yay! So <laughs> I was so happy with that. And I learned that the venue for the wedding was within two miles. Of the Wayne County Century Challenge and the Wayne County Historical Challenge, which both of them I've qualified for, but didn't find the actual cash. So I got to the wedding a little bit early and have to admit that I snuck out and went and grabbed a couple of caches while I was downtown. <laughs> and then I had the most epic adventure. Um, Just a couple weeks ago, we went to the Falls of Ohio, which is the Ohio River where Indiana and Kentucky come together in Louisville. And the, the dam is closed, and you can actually walk out on Goose Island, which is the most amazing, historical, fossilized environment we got 20 earth caches wow. 10 regular caches and the earth caches are like find a piece of horn coral which throw a stone and you'll see it and so it was it was simply an amazing day we had a great weekend our team rockford uh m kettle fly guys gal just a friend from work and i uh, had a beautiful weekend and Fabulous. you you had well, too
3: I had some fun, too. I just got home at 2 a.m. from an amazing 10-day road trip, geocaching road trip with my mom, Steelers Chick, and um, we just road tripped all throughout New England, New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., and we were able to get seven state's oldest caches, six webcams, three Adventure Lab GeoArts, Um, We found 15 year 2000 and 2001 caches and with some of those finds we were both able to complete our double jasmer along the trip so Ooh. that was pretty epic and pretty fun and also while doing um first mass uh, michigan or massachusetts first geocache we were able to meet up with curious KDB um, for that hike and then also in the theme of the uh trip we were able to find her jasmer challenge cache with her so Just a lot of really good geocaching adventures. And I'm a little tired, but I'm okay. I'm here for it tonight. Oh,
2: there you go. Well, and welcome to the east side of the country. So
3: (laughs) it was kind of fun to be in the east side of the country. I got to watch uh, Sunday night football at um, a very late hour. I'm not used to that anymore. (laughs) But it was good. It was good.
2: (laughs) Very good. Yeah. So in the news tonight... Uh, we got a couple of things. Uh, number one, the wheel of challenges, the HQ wheel of challenges, that ends next week.
4: That's very so, soon.
2: How very soon? And this is the last of the challenges for the wheel of challenges. So hopefully, wow. everyone has gone out and scored their points, or if not, you need to get there. Get going <laughs> with that. Who knows what the next the next adventure will be.
3: Right. And when they'll release it, we'll stay tuned and we'll talk about it here when it happens.
2: Okay. And I don't know if anybody pays attention to our intro. I certainly hope hope they do, (laughs) but we have some new sponsors.
3: Yeah. So we have, if you noticed, we have uh, LogWorks and SmashingPennies.net. So check those out. And uh, we heard about Smashing Pennies on a recent show and um, I was on the road when I listened to the show, so I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I, I plan on doing that.
2: Yeah, I took a quick look this evening, and um, it is what you think it is, mashing pennies. They take pennies <laughs> and they flatten them out and make those little souvenir things. So
3: Very good. It, I presume in a geocaching theme.
2: Uh, they can be. Yes, they, they can. Be. they good. can be a lot of different themes. So if you have an idea that you want to make something up, you can do that. Great. So, oh, and, you know, probably the most important news that we've left to last is the big change. Right. Which I know has been announced, but yes. they may not have heard it here. Right.
3: <laughs> right. So just so everyone knows, Challenge Talk is moving from Sundays, once a month, to the second tuesday of each month so we're still a once on that show but we're going to be on tuesdays as we're making the change for the regular sunday show to be geocache talk themed so still check us out same same everything other than the date the day of the week that we're that we're going to be on
2: yep the second Tuesday, because the first Tuesday of the month, we want everybody to listen to uh, Electric Water Boy, and his name just escaped me. The Charles. other oh, Charles. Well, I know it's Charles, but <laughs> Charles goes by what? What's his geocaching <laughs> name? And um,
3: oh, you're making me lose it too. All right, Charles. I know. There help. we
2: go. I didn't want to <laughs> say Charles on the air, but Charles and Tom uh, and Puzzle Talk on the first Tuesday of the month, and then we're on the second Tuesday of the month. Yeah. So. I'm going to quickly go through our stat update because I want to get to our guest as quickly as possible.
3: We've got someone in the green room waiting.
2: (laughs) So this month we went up another 217 challenges worldwide. And I think the biggest news is that the United States has now gone over 16,000 challenges. So if you if you need a challenge, you can find it here. Pathfinder33. That's his name. Charles is Pathfinder. Uh
3: thank you, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> Tom the, the co-host.
2: Yep. Jay and LA came in with it first, but Tom Oh, uh,
3: okay, gotcha. Tom
2: brought it in there too. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, you guys. <laughs> so yeah. So let's bring in our guest.
3: All right. There he is. Welcome.
2: Hey. Welcome, Monkey Brad.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah,
3: it's a
1: pleasure to have you. So,
2: you know, we've met and we've talked, but there might be someone in the audience that has never heard of you and doesn't know who you are.
1: So for those, for that
2: one or two persons that are out there, could you tell us about yourself, please?
1: Uh, A little about me. Uh, As geocaching, I am Monkey Brad. I started geocaching in 2003, April Fool's Day. So I've been doing this for a little bit over 20 years.
3: Yeah, amazing.
1: I had great fortune. I've been able to travel around quite a bit. And in 2009, I was asked to come on board as a volunteer reviewer for geocaching.com. And I reviewed for Tennessee for 14 years now. I reviewed in Massachusetts for quite a while and uh, still like fill in around if anybody needs any help anywhere.
2: All right. Great. Cool. And we're all about challenges here on this show. And... um, how do you feel about challenges as a reviewer?
1: As a reviewer, yeah, hmm, interesting. Um, as a reviewer, I hate them. Like,
2: <laughs> wait, wait, wait! We're not supposed to say that.
1: Well, I, I know, <laughs> okay. and uh, you know, and obviously, I'm not speaking for Geocaching.com. This is purely totally my opinion. As a reviewer, <laughs> I like I've, oh, it's, I, can't. it's my least favorite type of cache to review. Okay. But as a player, I love them and have all right. traveled all, all right. over so the we'll world. So we'll talk about both challenges.
3: both of those things. Fair what do you enough, like about challenge caches as a player?
1: Yeah, well, as a player and as a reviewer, honestly, what I love about geocaching challenges is the way it challenges the community to get out and do something. There are so many caches, so many things that it never occurred to me to find every county in my state until that became a challenge. And it never occurred to me to fill out my Jasmine till I found out that there was a Jasper challenge. I wouldn't have done my fizzy if there weren't a cache that I could find after I found the fizzy challenge. So it has really informed a lot of my geocaching travels. And I have Now I become one of those guys who tries to find as many counties as possible whenever I travel. (laughs) And I absolutely adore, um, particularly as you get farther in the game and you found several things and begin like, have to branch out a little bit more. It keeps the game interesting and new. It gives me new reasons to just keep geocaching. gives me, you know, I can look at a thing like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I need to fill my Jasmine again and I can do it on this trip. I've done it three times now, and I'm at some point I'll be gone to Sweden purely right? because there is a challenge that you know it's the jasmine challenge, and you can only do four, so I've got three. I got to have the last one. Exactly. And so. It's the same thing with any kind of thing. That when I get out there, when I look at my fizzy grid, I'm like, oh, hey, there's this one I can jump. It's only an extra two hours on the trip.
3: <laughs> exactly. But I can
1: pick that up, and I can do another <laughs> ring on my on my fizzy. So, yeah. So that and that's a jump for myself only, but. The way that it will take people and have them step outside of their comfort zones and maybe it never occurred to you to do a scuba cache till you saw a scuba challenge. Um, you know, there's there different kinds of things. I'm just any wild example there. But there may be this one challenge that pops up and you look at that and you go like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, now I've got to go do that thing. And anything that gets people out doing more geocaching, I am for. Cool. Yeah. Unless I have Sorry. to review it. And...
2: Yeah, I <laughs> uh, we'll go into that we'll in a minute. But I'm going to come back to you. Got three loops on your Jazmer. Yes, sir. You need a fourth
1: one. Do yeah, You need, need to the... go to
2: Sweden yet, or have you yeah, been? It's there? Sweden.
1: I need the matchbox. So I okay. Sweden.
2: All right. Uh, thinking about that next year. So maybe I'll uh, mm-hmm. I'll send you a note, and we'll see if we can put something together. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Very so yep.
4: it's so right, from future. the. <laughs>
2: So from a reviewer perspective, then, why do you hate them?
1: Well, let me uh, let me be clear up front. You know I mean? so let me say something about being a reviewer. Because okay. a lot of times this sort of gets lost. Um, and like I made a quick a quick comment, you know, that I'm a disclaimer. But I'm speaking for me. I'm not speaking for geocaching.com. They're probably all sitting there going, oh, my goodness, what's he going to say next? Um, these are my opinions as a fellow human, as a fellow geocacher. But like we serve as volunteers, and we are just here because we love the game, and we want to be able to help out. We want there to be more geocaches in the world. So I want to be able to publish as many things as possible because I want more things for me to hunt. But you know, I'm also in being human. I have opinions about things, and that's one of the things that is a uh, you know kind of challenging sometimes. Like is to keep that level of impartiality that just because I don't think I would like this cache, that doesn't mean that cache shouldn't be in the world. Mm-hmm. as long as that cash meets the guidelines then that cash should be in the world uh, so you're going to try to keep your personal stuff out of it uh, when it comes to challenges uh, my template whenever I go out and i like say oh here's the thing we need to talk about on, on about your uh, challenge cache is reviewing challenge caches is challenging okay but there's a little bit more um subjectivity in it uh you know so if you place a cache and it is, 520 feet away from another cache, then that puts up a big red flag. and like, well, it needs to be 528, move it seven feet. You know, these things, those are easy things. Uh, there are lots of guidelines that are very clear. The challenge guidelines are a little more open to interpretation sometimes. Right. And it and, and they change. Uh, and that's a thing that is very important. Uh, the guidelines change over, over time. Uh, I started playing in 2003. The guidelines were very different then than they are now. There are all kinds of things that were not permissible then that are permissible now. There are things that were permissible then that were not. There are things that have been permissible and are no longer in between. I mean, things change. And like anything else, I got really excited when I first started caching. And I learned the guidelines backwards and forwards. And three or four years later, like they made some changes. And I learned were the ones that affected me. And another couple of years, I'm like, oh, what do you mean they can't do that? We've been able to do that forever. Like, oh, you mean there was another change? So as a reviewer, I end up reading the guidelines way more than the average cacher because I am double-checking them all the time to make sure that the information that I'm giving to our fellow cachers is up-to-date and current and not something that's stuck in my head from 2013. And a lot of the challenge uh, guidelines, you know, we had the moratorium with 2016-ish, and we had huge changes after that. And there were lots of things that were permissible before that are not permissible afterwards. So we have a lot of caches that are uh, grandfathered in. Correct. And somebody will send one in and I'll put it back. Like, Here's why you can't do that. Like, you know, see this uh, help center article and they'll say, but there's one like this in Alabama and there's one like this in Alaska. I'm just picking on a states. There's one like that in Arizona. I'm not picking on any of my fellow reviewers or any of my fellow states. That is just what came (laughs) to mind. But that's always uh, you know, you always hate to see that whenever you tell someone, no, we can't do this because of this. And they're like, but it happens over there. Well, those were grandfathered in. Like, well, if it's such a problem, why if it, if it was such a problem, why wasn't that archived? That cache needs to be archived then. I get it. I get the frustration, and yeah. that is one of the things that is frustrating for me as a reviewer because you see more and more often uh, people when they get frustrated in that way, it's because I'm not communicating well. You know that I haven't explained things properly, and I hate for that to happen. And I hate that you know sometimes that conversation just ends there. And they don't ask the next question, like why was it this way? They just go, mm-hmm. that jerk wouldn't publish my cash. Yeah, it went just like it a hundred miles from here. I did three of these like this on my last trip, and they don't always see that. You know, those are under different guidelines. And as we always say, there's no precedence in here because our guidelines are always evolving. Right. And I think over time they have gotten much, much better, but that does lead to a little bit of friction. And uh, and like I hate that sometimes that sort of gets lost that. I didn't say no because I don't like your challenge. I said no because I have a very set set of guidelines that I have to go by, and unfortunately, I know more about them than your average cashier does because well, I have to be in there. Um, I like it. It's well, yeah, me-
2: you are the you are the judge, the adjudicator mm-hmm. of the information. And and like you said, if a if a cache is placed at 525 feet, it doesn't meet the guideline. And it's and you can take a ruler and you can see that. And mm-hmm. I know I got it in, got into with a reviewer over 526 feet versus 528 feet for an underwater cache. And I said, do you know how far it is to swim 528 feet? And he said, yes, but this is the guideline. And I said, you're right. And I moved my cash.
1: Well, and I appreciate that what you're doing there, because one of the things like to me, I try to be a fairly reasonable human being. And when I see that, I'm like, it's two feet. I mean, the drift on the GPS, that's not even a real thing. Right. But I will tell you from doing reviewer Q&As and talking to people literally on four continents in person about these things and the one complaint that I hear most about geocachers and reviewer interactions around the world is that we're not consistent. Right. And the crazy thing is, is like when we're consistent and we say, I'm sorry, bud, it's the rules 528, It's 526. I know you're going to need to move it two feet and it seems silly, but that's how you get consistency by right. holding those lines. And by saying, you know, here's here's the rule, and that's what we're going to stick with. Because if I say, you know what, it's 526 feet, it's a water cache, like, I get it. You know what, that's fine. Then the next guy's like, you know, you did your, his at 526, I, all I need is 520. It's eight feet. It's within the realm of distance. So um, that is one of the more frustrating parts, honestly, is to be able, not to be able to be, feel like I'm forced sometimes to say no to things and to take an opinion that I know is, nitpicky and ridiculous on some level. However, ultimately, you know, we are we are a game of guidelines, like we're a nation of laws. You know, either the laws matter or they don't, the guidelines matter or they don't. And if you want consistency from the reviewer court, then we all need to be doing the same thing.
0: And Absolutely. if some of us
1: are saying, you know, that two feet's fine and others aren't, then that's where we get that perception of inconsistency. And you brought right. up a nice point earlier that I was, Tommy. you said we we're a judge, and that really is a lot of how particularly with uh, challenge caches. So a judge or a lawyer, you know, the law, yep. you can look at things and you know, like, okay, I can read the law, and the law says this. But the reason that you hire a lawyer and the reason that you have a judge looking things over is that the judge knows not just that law, but how it's been interpreted in the past. So think about things like think about everything that goes to the Supreme Court, it's all about interpretations of right. existing laws. One of the things that we do have access to uh, from the reviewer side, and they're always like bringing us up to date and giving us new information. A lot of times, like, let's say that you have one of those, uh, let's say we have a challenge on a review, uh, on a, a challenge cache review and you, H, uh, HQ decides either they are going to allow that to be published or they're not. So let, let's step back for a
2: second then. So okay. this is a challenge that in my opinion meets the guidelines. Yes. And in your opinion, it does not. And I challenge you on that and send it up to HQ and ask for the, it's an appeal, it's an appeal. of your decision.
1: Absolutely. And I will okay. tell you, as a reviewer, we welcome that. Excuse me. A lot of people get uptight and like, oh, I don't want to go against a reviewer. I often will tell people, go ahead, let's appeal this. Like I am saying no on this because of where the guidelines say. Feel free to appeal it. It doesn't hurt my feelings if you appeal it. There are many times where I will see a thing. I'm like, you know what? That seems reasonable to me, but it's not my job to change guidelines. It's not my job really to interpret guidelines, except in a very narrow frame. There are people at HQ who get paid every day to look at these edge cases and decide if you know what, that is a better interpretation of the guideline. And sometimes the guidelines change based on that. And so I'll, I'll often send one up and say, I don't have the authority to make that change, but ask them and let's get them to weigh in on it. Because either they're going to say it's good or they're going to say that I was was correct in my original um, decision. But that is the key. Like when they do this, those sort of appeals, they often will shoot out an email to us or make sure that we are aware that we have now interpreted this guideline to mean this. This is a slight change, but you need to be aware. And those are the kind of things that, you know, they don't go back and rewrite the guidelines, the public facing guidelines every time there's a slight reinterpretation in the same way that after the Supreme Court decides something, it doesn't go back to Congress so they can write a bunch of new laws that say that. We just say, this is how we interpret that law now. Now, so do they,
2: if I'm, again, we're, this is a hypothetical thing where you and I are in this discussion over this cash that I want to place. And HQ has has said yes, we agree with you as the cash owner, we feel that you can place this. So they're going to write up their reasoning for it. They send it to you or they send it out to all of the reviewers?
1: That uh, th- Different things happen at different times. Uh, generally, if there is an appeal where I'm directly involved, of course, they will let me know what their interpretation was because it's going to come back to me for me to publish the cash generally. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Um, but then if it is, you know, if it's something that changes the way we've interpreted things in the past or something, they'll just like, we get newsletters, uh, we have different ways we communicate with each other, we ask each other's opinions all the time, we ask our team at HQ to you know, like back us up and let us know where we should go with things. So that is often, if there's something that changes, this makes a significant change, they'll just shoot that out to everybody, or they'll discuss it in one of our meetings to make sure that we're all aware that this is how we're approaching this going forward. Okay. But think about right. that. We have got literally hundreds of other reviewers around the world. And managing a, they're managing a team of volunteers. So I do this in my time. Right. I don't I don't punch a clock. No one else does either worldwide. So finding times when they can get everyone together and can get everything out, it's it is certainly a challenge for them to disseminate that information, even amongst us where we all want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, no, I mean, Think about that for yourselves. Right. think about how many times you get an email from your head office And it runs down here like 15 things and you look at it and you go like yeah, okay. Yeah, gotcha And it goes in and out. I absolutely miss out on the nuance of things sometimes I will, you know, I'm scrolling through my phone and I accidentally delete the email I never saw that email existed and then when I'm reviewing something later on, I'll go look and I'm like, oh, that was fine and I'll publish it and within moments a fellow geocacher somewhere will say, "You, that's against the new guidelines. Like, Whoa, what, 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 where? And then we have to go back and fix that uh, or not fix that depending on the case and everything's on a case by case basis. And one of the wonderful things about um, being a reviewer and having this great team that supports us from HQ and having this great community of reviewers who all support each other. And we ask each other questions on a regular basis and, uh, and ignore each other sometimes <laughs> on that same basis. Um, but we're all in it for friends. But the the whole point is that we're all trying to get toward the same thing. We're all aiming for consistency. And we all want there to be more geocaches in the world and more interesting geocaches in the world. So if there is an interesting challenge, we want to do it. It is not unusual at all for a really cool challenge to pop up and or something that causes a lot of discussion. And that we'll just like text or email each other and go, hey, look what's in my queue right now. This is look what I'm working on. I'm like wow, I've never seen that. Like what are you going to do with that? He's like, I'll, <laughs> I'll <put you." laughs> but it it conversation amongst us and we figure out and I I haven't stolen any money's challenge ideas yet, but boy, I've been sorely tempted whenever I see one. <laughs> oh, that's really good. I want that. <laughs> A little
2: piece of that. That's well, we're great. now keeping a list of really cool challenges. So when you run across one or two, go ahead and email <laughs> me and let me know what they are. <laughs> I wish I could. Love
1: them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lori, Sebeck tried. did ask that. Do you reach out to reviewers for their opinions?
1: Oh, absolutely. All the time. Um, and like anything else, like, imagine us as we're a, large, we're a global work group. And there are reviewers that I have not met in person or online, but I've met a bunch of folks. Uh, we all try to get together whenever we're in the same areas, and we meet online very regularly. So it's a it's it's always nice to get a fresh perspective on things, and it is very easy to get very kind of locked into like this is how I do things. And I love whenever I'm talking to somebody else and they talk about like the way they do something. like, What do you mean? That could work that? for I've been me. Doing like this yeah. for a decade. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, and you know, I heard you say, and I I absolutely hear this consistently from various reviewers at various points in time. You guys want to publish caches. You want to the the community to have more and to do more and more fun, whatever words you want to put to it. That is the goal of reviewers.
1: Well, and and I'm lazy.
2: So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to hit that publish button.
1: But it, publish. it absolutely is. And that, that is a re- that's a real point that, uh, and one of the things about challenges, because challenges, I know I'm going to have to go like dig in and do a little extra reading and make sure I get it right. That one of the things you can do when you're submitting caches, like when you go in there, they'll use those reviewer notes. And as much as I appreciate people telling me like, hey, you're doing a great job, have a nice day. I love that. What I really love is this cache is placed in murray county park with permission of this director it's this kind of container it's hidden in this way so we have all this there getting all of that sort of information around it so when i look at it i can go okay i see on the map which park it's in i know what their policy is i know the name of the director when i look down at the bottom I'm like okay we've got all that stuff and here's the contact info of the director here's a copy of the permit that they gave them then i don't have to go You know, guys, actually, that park has a permit policy and you need to do this, this, and this. I can just hit one button rather than sending it back, writing out a response, even if it's uh, copy paste, and I use a ton of copy paste stuff because I. Review a lot of I
3: can only imagine. Period. I've imagined what your job looks like. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the things. <laughs> well, and yeah, I've I'm a imagined
2: it many times and gotten it wrong in talking to uh, my reviewer up here, the local reviewer. Um, I'm sure you know Alanite uh, oh, yeah, and okay. Ken. And uh, we think he's fabulous. In fact, all the Michigan reviewers are fabulous. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and talking to him at one point about the workload, it's like, I can't imagine. It's a full-time job, and and Ooh. you make so much. I mean, headquarters could double your pay, and it still wouldn't be enough.
1: What would I do with two T-shirts a year?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's not true. They take very good care of us. <laughs> um, but, but we don't get paid. Uh, we, do, we do get T-shirts. We get gifts at Christmas, that sort of thing. Um, but what they really do is they give us support, and that's what really matters. Because there is not a reviewer out there who didn't come to that job because they love the game. I mean, that is we all we love the game as players and got into a position where this is an opportunity to give back. And if it weren't for giving back to the community, I absolutely would not be doing this because it does take a significant amount of time. It takes a significant amount of thought. And there are a surprising number of headaches because. And and I understand it and this is going to sound absolutely wrong. So everybody get ready. You can put this on Reddit, you can get in the forums and go like, "Oh my goodness." Um because Brad just said as a volunteer reviewer, his own opinion, not that of GC.com. He said, "Hey guys, I don't care about your cash." I don't. No, it's not personal to me. Correct. Correct. To me it's a series of check boxes. I'm looking like this does this is this is this, this this is good. This is good. Sometimes I read it and I go, you know what? This looks like fun. I'll, and I'll put on my list. I'm going to go hunt this cache whenever it publishes I and mean, whenever next time I'm in that area. But it's not personal to me. Now, when I hide a cache and I don't publish my own caches anymore, like, you know, one of my fellow reviewers is going to do that. And when I hide the cache and I get a note back from a friend who says, hey, are you sure about this? Like, well, of course I'm sure. Why wouldn't you say I weren't sure. Why are you picking on my baby? Because this cash is very personal and important to me. And I don't know why you would question things. That's really not how things work. The way it works is we look at things, it really is we're and we are really trying to call balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. And either it meets the guidelines and we publish it or it doesn't meet the guidelines and we send it back to you, but we send it back to you for more work. It's very, very, very rare that I send one back and go like, look, this is never going to work. And, and I have had it, absolutely, I had it happen. Um, there are locations that the federal government is never giving you permission to place a cash there. I know you don't have it now. You're not going to get it. Let's just stop with this. But generally, if there is any hope at all, when I send it back, I'm sending it back with suggestions. And okay. I know that sometimes it's not, it's not read that way because it comes back as you said no to me and right. it's read in a negative voice when it's spoken in a voice that is caring, who is, that's encouraging and trying to be educational. But I know that that also sometimes comes off as didactic and high-handed. Um, we do our best, absolutely across the line. But when I send one back, I want you to, to answer me, like, let me know who is the contact person who gave, you know, gave permission for that to be there. I often will say, you know, in the past, there have been caches in the area who have had have caused problems. They've been archived in the same location. So before we publish something here, I need to know that management's okay with this one, because right. every time that a cache is archived because of an issue,
4: mm-hmm. I
1: feel on some level personally responsible for that. One, one that I publish, obviously. Um, and I feel like somewhere along the way I failed because I didn't ask the right questions i didn't get things right and it because if i'd done everything right then the cash would not have been a problem now i also as a player and a reviewer know that's absolutely not true as a player i have hidden caches that had absolute absolute permission and the owner of the restaurant who asked me to place a cache near their place didn't communicate that to the second shift manager yep i mean I, th- that i don't know how well documented it was but there's no big secret I had a cache that I was working on as part of a geotour that I was helping put together for the State Department of Tourism that we had the bomb squad called out on the day that it was placed. Oh, my. Uh, Shut down traffic and all those things. It had absolute permission. We had written permission from the owner. He had told the first shift manager and all the employees there that this thing's coming in. That had never gotten a second shift. So Uh. we dropped off the cache. I I, I had just placed the cache. I spoke to one of the waitresses who was there and said, hey, we're dropping this off this deal. I won't mention the names, but the owner. It'll be right here. And she went inside and mentioned to the manager, and the manager said, "I don't know what he's talking about. What are you talking about?" And they walked outside and saw that there was this ammo can painted with like uh, the Geo Tour logos and all these things, and the geocache, please do not remove. All of the all of that stuff was there. And she said, "I don't know what that is, and I am not comfortable with that," and called the police. Hmm. Half hour later, the bomb squad rolled. They closed down the road. It was a big deal. Um, the guy. Died, real legal ramifications that came from that. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Um, But that was a thing, a cache that was placed with absolute permission. Not everybody got the memo. And that is going to happen out in the world. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the big thing is like, do your best, make sure for the sake of your fellow geocaches, not, I mean, protect yourself because there are, there are actual legal liabilities that can happen sometimes. But, for your fellow geocachers. So, when I pull up the next day to find that thing and I'm standing there with this metal box and somebody comes out, like, what are you doing here? Like, I'm yeah. Here playing a game, you're supposed to know about it. Make sure you get those permissions. Uh, I, I get the thing often here also. Uh, I've just processed one like that, which had a fairly lengthy argument with a fellow geocacher about public property. And I, I can't speak for every state. And I know certainly in other countries there are different things. But in Tennessee, there is no public property, none nothing is owned by the public. There is state property, there's county property, there's city property, there's private property, but every piece of land anywhere in this state has got a land manager, someone who is responsible for the activities that take place there. And if you're going to have a cash there, you need to make sure they know about it. It's just a common courtesy thing is to make sure that they are aware that we're playing on their field. And most people are really cool with it. They're happy to have us out there. But, you know, And people ask, like, even guardrails? Even guardrails. County road departments will sign off on things that will bring people to their town. But you got to ask. And you've got to come with documentation and show them, like, here, this is a positive thing. These are good people who are coming in here to enjoy your area and enjoy playing this game. And most communities are really happy to have us here, but they want to know. In the same way that you would never dream of, like, if someone hit a cache in your front yard, and didn't ask you how would you feel if people started showing up in your front yard?
3: Exactly. Ask yourself that. Oh, sure.
1: Cash that you hide. What does this look like to someone who doesn't play the game? I'm uh, um, I also I often encourage people like you know if you've got a cash hidden at your house, let your neighbors know. <laughs> <Right>. So, so <laughs> oh, absolutely, people, and,
2: and we yeah. I think we've all we've all done that. And I've had a couple of times when I, as a seeker, I've gone mm-hmm. to a place and and I've had that where people have said why are you here what are you doing and i'm like well i'm playing a game and this is the game and well well i didn't know that was here and i don't want that here that's not supposed to be here and it's the property owner and you go well didn't the cash owner get permission no they didn't talk to me well how did it get by the reviewer in that case and you know it uh, yeah things happen and, well, that, and
1: that's we, a good thing you bring up because that i get that i get asked this a lot when we're doing q and a's and things how did it get by the reviewer and that's, that's a very valid question. And I'll tell you, it's an easy one. Um, a lot of times it didn't, a lot of times I asked about it and, or that we asked about it and we were told yes, we got in, here's the name and here's the phone number and all that. And oftentimes it has happened where yes, and they did get permission, but they got permission from the kid who lives there, not the parent. Right. Um, imagine how things happen. And other times I want to remind everyone that when you submit a cash, you know, we all just like click those little checkboxes on everything. And when you click the checkbox to submit the cache, you click to a thing that says, I have received adequate permission for this geocache placement. And Absolutely. I know you go way back in the day, they're like, you know, if you can throw a Frisbee there, you can hide a cache there. They're like, no, you can't because you take your Frisbee with you and other people don't come find your Frisbee.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is important in our relationship with land managers that we protect the sport. And that's what it really comes down to. Like all of these guidelines comes down to helping protect the sport so it can grow and endanger the game by not respecting landowners permission, their property and their rights. Right. And and
2: and I've usually explained that, you know, this is a game. This is what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I understand I'm going to report this on your behalf because we do want to have, you know, a positive relationship. And one was down in Florida and, and I didn't know the CEO, but I reported to the reviewer to said, you know, this is the park, this is where it's at. I don't know the CEO, can you, and she w- and she got back to me right away and said, oh yeah, we'll take care of that right away. And it was an area where um, it was a part of the park that was closed off. They knew about geocaching, didn't know there was a geocache in that particular area. And they'd had a problem with snakes. Mm-hmm. Poisonous snakes. Yep. And my wife looked at me and she goes, "Why were we there?" And I'm like, "Because I didn't know." And they asked us why we were back there. Didn't we read the sign? And we said, "What sign?" And then they pulled the sign out of their little cart that said, "Oh, the one we had in the paint shop getting repainted. Says, don't, don't go here." I and mean, we had a laugh, and it was it was all good and all fun. But by the same token, I knew they didn't want it there any longer, and so I could I could report it in.
1: Well, this it often is like that. It's like a comedy of errors. Yeah. And in that case, it's very possible that a prior ranger, I mean, think about it. We've got caches yeah, in the wildlands right? that were hidden 20 plus years ago. Yep. That I've got I, I have personal caches hidden that I recently archived one because I realized that the person I got permission from had passed away like five <laughs> years ago. Oh. And the property has changed hands. It just didn't occur to me. Like i am like I knew they right. had passed, but I wasn't connecting that with the fact that I had a piece of a geocache. that was on a piece of property that he had. Yeah. And it just, it I mean, I I didn't have malice. It wasn't something that was intentional, but there were, I was still sending people onto a piece of property that the new owners had no idea. And uh-huh. rather than going and meeting the new owners, I'm like, let me just archive this and I'll go in one more time and pick it up and take it out. It, it had a good life. But those are the sort of things that happen. And we have to look at that. it's anyway, As cash owners, we also should probably take a look at our hides and inventory and go like, what has changed since I... After this cash off five years ago 10 years ago 15 20 years ago
4: mm-hmm. there are
1: things out there that that's a, that's a real consideration and we we as reviewers I view myself and I before I ever start reviewing serve as a steward of the game it's important for us to help protect the game and as players we have to view ourselves as stewards of the game and do our best to make sure that we help promote geocaching in a positive light and it's not that hard to do it really isn't most people are excited about this thing, or they think it's silly and that's fine too. Right. And either,
2: either one. So,
1: so Tom asked
2: a great question and let's throw this one up. So if my container has changed over X months or so many years or the, or the, the permission has changed, like you said, it's a new owner, you've gone and talked to the new owners and, and they're okay with it. Should we re- should we send it in to the reviewer, or is that something you need to know about, you want to know about, or just make a note and move on?
1: Well, that's I'm going to say that is going to be a reviewer by reviewer question, because I'll tell you, like um, a good example, when I was reviewing in Massachusetts uh, after the Boston uh, the Boston Marathon bombing,
4: mm-hmm.
1: we had a total change of policy, and when you submitted your cash, there were three questions I asked: Who's the land manager that gave permission with contact info? How is the geocache hidden? And uh, and what's the container? Because the uh, lead reviewer up there, Mad Men, that she would regularly have law enforcement contact her and say, we have found this thing. Is this a geocache? And she would go immediately look in there and she could pull up every cache and then go look in her notes and go like, this should be a clear Tupperware container, six by six, you know, like some description at these coordinates hidden in this style. So when the officer says, okay, this is a metal box 300 feet from there. We know that's not a geocache
4: right, okay. right. or
1: they know it is a geocache. And then they can just go like, okay, we don't need the mom squad. In those cases, yeah, she absolutely needs to know if something has changed, make a note on the cache page that it's there. So we have notes on the cache pages and we look at the cache pages. So as a place to keep information, because I will, I will process thousands of caches this year. Mm-hmm. Over the last 14 years, just you know, do that math. I don't remember all of it. Of
2: course, oh, come on, mine was yeah. such a special cash. Yeah,
1: Here's yeah, remember it. Me. <laughs> it was special. <laughs> I don't care about your cash.
2: <laughs> um, oh yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Other reviewers are way better than I am. They care deeply. I'm just, I'm old, I'm jaded. You know how it is. Uh, all right. But that is those pieces of information. They do matter, um, particularly if ownership of the property has changed. So if there's a different land manager to get in touch with, because we often get contacted by land managers who say, I found this thing, I don't want it here. And it's way better if we can look at our notes and go, okay, we this was placed at this date with permission given by this person. And sometimes in the parks department, they'll go, oh, that's the previous director. Okay, that, well, that's fine. I'm sorry. And the problem goes away. So just like when we're doing the actual review, the more information your reviewer has, the more we can help you. And that information isn't just where we can see it. It's also where people from headquarters can see it. So when right. they get contacted, from, like from law enforcement with a land management issue, they can immediately look and go, I mean, think of it yourself. Do you want to sit there and go like, uh, yeah, I don't see any information here. We'll take care of that. Or that was placed with permission of Director Jackson on this date when here's the contact information. Is that contact information no longer accurate Has something changed? You That lets them and lets us speak from a, a place of knowledge and knowledge is power.
0: So okay. you can
1: really diffuse things the more you know. You know, you know let's exactly. Just do the more you know, the easier <laughs> everyone's job is.
2: Yeah. That's super. Now, I know that I have seen you a number of times at Geo Woodstocks. You seem to like and enjoy going to Geo Woodstocks. How many Geo Woodstocks have you attended?
1: All but the first one. Oh. All- wow. Yeah. Well, and, and here's yeah. the great thing. I helped on the first one. Um, you you know, did? I mean, yeah, what Joe GPS, started Joe Woodstock, was also a reviewer, he's TN Casher reviewer. He is the person who recruited me to be a reviewer in the first place. He was a dear, dear friend. And I'm gonna try not to choke up because I will get choked up talking about Joe <laughs> always. Okay. But he took me under his wing as a geocacher. There is no way that I would have continued caching beyond a year or so if Joe hadn't made the game interesting for me. Oh, if he hadn't like brought us into his family. And I had dinner with Joe's brother Thursday night. Uh, Joe and I used to have dinner. There was a whole group of us. We had dinner from 2003. We have eaten dinner together more Thursday nights than not, like nearly every Thursday night for 20 plus years. We oh. have sat down and talked about cashing, and we started out as cashers. And then we became friends, wow. and we've become family. Uh, one of the folks I had dinner with, Sal Powell, Sal Powell, I'll give Sal Powell a shout-out tonight. Sal Powell I had dinner with her Thursday night. Sal Powell was the first person, not blood-related to me, who walked in the room after my son was born. First person to hold him oh. who didn't have that blood in her veins. And we have so many dear, dear friends who are like family to us now that we met through geocaching. And Joe was one of the first who like really brought us together. He was also the local reviewer. And when the time came when he was considering stepping down, he asked me to uh if I would be interested in reviewing, and I was really interested. And uh really, really interested. And that was that was to- before you knew what the job was no. all about, right? Well, that, I mean, that was a terrible choice because I really <laughs> wanted it because I thought it would be fun. And I end up. This may not be general knowledge, but when I was first put up for reviewership, I was turned down. Oh, because I was so eager.
3: Oh. and I would have
1: been a poor choice for it. And after that, a year or two later, he decided he was going to retire, and he asked me again. And when he asked me the second time, I told him I really didn't think that I wanted to do that. That I had a lot on my plate with just geocaching. We we just worked. I just hosted Geo Woodstock Seven. And there was a lot going on. I'm like, you know, I don't, Joe, I don't, I don't think that I'm the right person for that. And it turns out that in a lot of things, when you realize that you're not the right person for it, you probably are. Yeah. Because I was approaching it then with more respect, with, as a job, as, as a job to be done as service to the community. Where before, if I'm honest, in my head, that was like, oh, that's another thing I can do. That'll be another geocaching feather in my head. I'll be a reviewer, which is the wrong reason to do it right and when i came back to it it was absolutely in you know spirit of servitude like and i consider this a service to the community and i try to do the best i can with it and i am very proud that he tapped me to do this i'm very proud that i've been accepted and been brought into the community and been allowed to stay in this community for so long but my connection with geo woodstock was that joe and i were friends and i was not reviewing at all at this time i was just hanging out with him he said he was putting together this event. So my wife and I helped like with some of the planning and stuff and just, you know, just chat and stuff. We didn't do any real work. And we had scheduled. We'd been married a few months. But we were not able to take our honeymoon when we first got married because of work things for me. So we were scheduled. Our honeymoon was the same week as Joe Woodstock one. Oh. We were in Ireland. And I asked Joe, like, you know, should we like rework our schedule and stuff? Because like, I, mean, I hate to miss your big thing. He's like, dude, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so we skipped Joe Woodstock one to go on our honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. Classic. Uh, word. I guess you're
2: excused in that, and your wife probably would do that too. But I have perfect
1: attendance ever since, and uh, and I work with the committee now, and we work to uh, make sure that Joe Woodstock continues, and that we find new hosts and move things around the country. Um, yeah, I, I work heavily
2: with Joe Woodstock every
1: year. Cool. But Good to know. where
2: is your next public appearance? Where were we, what, What's your next event?
1: Uh, That'll be going cashing in Rome, Georgia. Oh, next week. Next week. I'll be heading week, in Rome. Right. And, and yes, and, and it will be a very public appearance. It'll be hard. <laughs> well, and I, I know
2: uh, our chat room doesn't know this, but you know that you're not looking over the chat. But I do have to say that the overwhelmingly people have thanked you for your honesty and thank you for the information that you have provided to the community. And so definitely want to uh, pass that along to you because I do appreciate it. And then, you know, we got to chat a little bit at going caching in Memphis, and and it's probably too late to go into all of the fun that we had and the trouble you got into helping us out, reviewing some of those challenges that we wanted to put out. like
1: I said, I'm human, and I make mistakes. And I made a number of. I learned a lot about challenges, the new challenge cash, uh, some of the new guidelines You're and welcome. during that because I made I made a couple of big, like, fundamental errors. And, and don't worry, I heard about it quickly. Um, but it, uh, and, and that was that was an interesting situation where I had made a mistake, and trying to figure out what is the right thing because the group shouldn't be punished for my mistake the fellow cashier shouldn't be going for my mistake, but I made a mistake and I couldn't continue making the same mistake. Right. After, after right. I was aware that I had messed up. Sure. Sure. And we appreciate that's that. people know about that, like what that issue really was, because that like sure. that gets nebulous and that's some of the problem with something like the reviewers talking code and we're talking in code here. So let's they break it down. We are. Yes. And, and that's because we was,
4: yeah, yeah, I was on
2: the back side of this. And so, well, yeah, jump? I was, yep. Go ahead.
1: The thing that I missed out on, and it was a change, and the change had been since 2016. And we all know that in order to place a challenge cash, that you have to qualify for the challenge. That's, that's been a rule for a long time now, since 2016. I did not realize that that counted for, like, cash event uh, owners and um, let's say sock puppets. That sure. even if the person who owned the sock puppet had qualified, or if the event owners had qualified, it has to be the actual account that qualifies for the cash is the one that can, can be published. We're not supposed to publish caches for an event cash or an event owner or for a sock puppet unless it is actually the account that submitted the cash qualifies for the cash. It doesn't matter how many people on the team qualify. If the event, if unless the event account has gone out and qualified, it should not be published. And that was on me. I messed that up. And when halfway through the week, I had to go, "Oh guys, I messed up and we can't do this anymore." I can understand the frustration that that creates because you
2: know well, it was it for from from our perspective, I mean obviously, well or not obviously, there was a team, Putting the caches together, and a lot of the the ideas for the challenges came from me. And someone else was doing the cache pages, and someone else was doing the cache placement. Mm-hmm. And it was being the event host was the the placer,
1: which makes and, perfect sense because it oh, makes sure. it easier for people in the event to find it. Right. But this is that's where you have one of those guidelines where I understand yeah. the how and why, but here's what it says.
2: Correct. Correct. And and we did that. And we made sure that someone on the team qualified for that cash before we even tried to publish it. Because we knew it was, we knew that was one of the guidelines that you had to pre-qualify in order to publish it. And so, so we knew that. And then when it changed, it was like, we're scratching our head going, wait a minute, something changed. We don't know what changed. <laughs> and I don't know whether David got a note from you or not, but I know D contacted you and, and we straightened it all out afterwards. So um, I greatly appreciate that. Um, oh yeah, I could, yeah, maybe Merlin could have published it. and then it, But no, you can't even do that because if I publish the cache, it has to stay in my name because if I adopt it to a sock puppet, the sock puppet doesn't qualify and that kicks it out.
3: Right. So then Just it has to be, be archived. Yeah.
2: yeah be on
3: challenge caches. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I want to ask another question that KC 11, and I know we're running long, but I got want this one more in because it is a good question. And that who decides how many reviewers for an area, do you have any insight into that? And,
1: uh, I do. You know I really, yeah, I, mean, you? I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't say. Uh, right. But that generally, the uh, it's it's on us because we have the workload. So if in Tennessee I'm getting more and more caches, and it's like the workload has just gotten to where I don't have enough time to be able to properly serve, then maybe I need someone else to come on and help. Uh, and I cannot think of an instance where we have as reviewers where we've said. I need more help. And HQ has been like, no, no, you guys are fine. Work harder because that's not what it's about. They, I mean, one of our number one rules is like, you do this as long as it's fun. Right. That, that's right. from the top down. That's from okay. right, right on down. If you're not having fun doing this, go do something else, man. We appreciate your service. You know, move on. We'll, we'll find space. Um, and anytime that I've asked for help, we've absolutely they've been like, yeah, let's be supportive. Let's do things. Uh, so there's not really like there's not like a great council that goes like, well, I think that three is the proper number because you can't look at geography. It really comes down to workload. And right. when the workload's coming in, uh, we have a great relationship here in Tennessee because Gil and I work on sort of opposite schedules. So like I'm doing stuff during the day. He's doing stuff over there. I have balloons. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know
1: how that happened. It's a party. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have things there. If we find that we're suddenly like. We have had times that the reason that I started reviewing in Massachusetts is that Mad Men had a new position and that she was having difficulty being there, reviewing as much as she wanted to. So she asked if I could step in for a little while. That turned into like six years or something. But uh, and then we finally brought somebody else on to help alleviate some of that stress. And we've absolutely had people retire and go like, you know, we're not really have we don't have too many caches to deal with right now, so we won't replace them. We'll bring somebody on when we need them. It really is about putting together a good team. And even when we're like, if I get really strapped, uh, we all help each other, too. So you may see suddenly that a reviewer out of Alabama or a reviewer out of Arkansas is suddenly publishing caches in Tennessee. Like we try to be really good about not stepping over our lines unless we're asked in. But we always are there to support one another. So for a yeah, short term thing, you, like I'll go to Massachusetts for a little bit.
2: Yeah, but if you if you felt you were overwhelmed, overworked, you would reach out to HQ and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I need some help." And HQ would then come back to you and say, "We agree. Do you we, have any do you, suggestions?
1: Do you have anybody in mind?" And then we okay. would go through. And, and then, in then other you cases, can cases. We're going to look through and find someone that we think has the right um, the right persona. Right, uh, right, and then you, and you'll take that
2: it. name, put it up to HQ, HQ vets it, checks uh, whatever they have to do, makes the formal invitation or whatever. They or vet
1: that. it, and their fellow and other reviewers vet. Oh, okay, yeah, we, we all that always it's it it is if you're you're joining a global team and we want feedback from everybody around the globe who, so you can find out that like you know hey that guy's really cool. Last month I told him no on this and he lost his stuff. And like you know, and here are the emails back and forth because like it's really anyone can do this job. Anyone can learn the guidelines and apply them. That's easy. Applying them consistently, judiciously, and fairly. And like the more important thing is like is making sure that it goes beyond being fair. It's making sure that um, oh, I've lost the term. Is it judicious is the, is the right way to go there? The idea that we want to make sure that everyone gets treated equally, that everyone has equal opportunity. And that's the thing that you want, to, you want to apply things consistently across the board. And to be honest, um, a thick skin goes a long way because it is amazing some of the things that people will say to uh, to someone they've never met on the Internet. Which is what it boils down to for a reviewer, and okay. I understand that they care deeply about their cash. I clearly don't care, so they want to make sure that I'm going to care or I'm going to know. And boy, like I love some of the things. Like, I'm, I'm a glorified civil. I'm not even a real civil servant. You're a volunteer doing a job nobody <laughs> yeah. else would pay yeah. yeah, if
2: you got if you got paid to do this, maybe you could be worth the abuse. But precisely.
1: Uh, oh, know. and the, other, the great thing is that like, and I looked at your account. You've never even found a cash. <laughs> how can you tell me my cache isn't ready
2: right yeah oh yeah You know that all right well brad thank you um we are we are running way long tonight but uh, but it was a very good
3: you, conversation it very I, I appreciate yeah that. the so, chat is very appreciative and and you yeah. know again we hear it so many times from so many it's about the community and like you said serving the community having a valuable community when people join geocaching they're not just joining a a treasure hunt. Yeah, it's yeah. not
1: just an app; right. it's a community. Yeah, yeah, community.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I have the key so many to community around the world now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the key to having a great community is communication. Right. So just like we're talking here, and we're talking exactly. to all of you out there in internet land, we're going there. right here, it's going one way. But you know, when you see me at an event, come over and talk. Let's talk about things. Whenever your reviewer sends you a note back, if you don't understand, ask a question. That's what we're here for. We are here to help you get caches published. You know, so you're like, so help me help you or help you help me. You know, you
2: know how it goes. All right. Well, let's see how this works. It is time for our wheel of challenges. Our live game. That's right. That's
3: right. uh, I need to get over to the right spot for that. (laughs) So one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel to have a chance to win the grand prize of one-year membership on Project GC. We do ask that you limit yourself to three wins. So, to enter, get your email apps ready. Send an email with a subject containing spin me, followed by your geocaching username in brackets, and answer the following question that we'll put up here on the screen. The first verified user gets to go up against the wheel, and we'll check your profile live. So, here you go email challenge talk at gmail.com and answer oh, this you can question. in what state does monkey brad primarily review
1: i know this one though i know Know know, (laughs) yeah
2: we know you know that's why you Mm -hmm. can't play (laughs) yeah
3: all right we're monitoring our email let's see who's going to answer correctly first
2: all right while you're doing that we got another comment in from electric water boy who says he knows from personal experience i don't know if you know tom and i
1: person. <laughs> my son liam loves 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 tom because one of his best days ever he had a memphis at cash fest the year before because okay. tom tom hooked him up with a gadget cash class uh, ah. and he still has that gadget on his headboard at home he's a uh, Wow. And you know, if you can impress a thirteen-year-old boy, you've done something. So
2: yes, he has. Yep. Yeah, t- yep. Tom. Tom is a
1: gentleman. I love him.
2: All right,
3: and we no, do we have doing? our first correct answer. So T W H Ryder has answered correctly. Tennessee is the primary state. Am I correct, Brad? Uh, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yes. I didn't, yes like, the... <laughs> I didn't want to be like. I didn't want to be jet lagged and uh, answering that. questions wrong.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to see wrong. <laughs> All right. All Good. right, so we've got the wheel. Let's see. I can't click on and the screen stigma. to win it. I got to click over here to get it. Let's see what we're gonna get. What are we gonna get? What are we going to get? Easy one. Easy one. Two Difficulty and a piece two of and pie enough. challenge. All right. All let's right. see
3: what that challenge is about.
2: So this is a pie Day challenge. You need to find. Oh, it's a several consecutive days. First day, find three, second day, find one, third day time, find four, and then go out seven whole days.
3: Okay. So like so pie. Much, pie. <laughs> yeah,
2: Like pie. build pie. Take my name out, put in TWH writer and, uh-oh. Here's that failed. To we have execute. an
3: error. A script there. We have an error in the well, script. we haven't seen that before.
2: <laughs> I know. Let's well, and that again. usually means there's something wrong in the name. And there it is. She put it in capitals. Okay, so qualification to the chat room. You gotta type it in as you type it. There we go. Oh, oh and she does no, not doesn't
3: qualify. She, She's uh, got
2: three one four one five. And, yeah, and I don't remember what it chat, was. I
3: am terrible at consecutive days.
2: Okay.
3: Oh well. Phil, thank you for playing. Right. We're glad that you guys are here playing live with us. That's yeah. that's a part of our show. So win or lose, we're glad you're here for that. All
2: right. All right. And All right. normally, and then
3: we'll just hit up a few of. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say normally we go through some of the monthly challenges, but you know we've we've run so long. I guess i would like to say that you know the folks that submitted challenges this month thank you very much bloody cool seabec tribe star casher acorn mama zipper tiff and the gb's they all had some great months
3: we always have your um submissions that we read on air in the show notes so that's a good point we are going a little long so you can go to our show notes and read all of these submissions what I think I'll do real quick is just say who our winner is and what they submitted. So congratulations. Okay. This month's winner is Seaback Tribe. And Lori submitted GC2M34K, the color of Cash challenge in Washington. You need to find 10 caches with a color in the title. And all caches need to be in Washington. Found after one <laughs> So lots of pre-moratorium uh, <laughs> requirements in this one, but still fun to when we encounter those caches. Um, I think a lot of us still enjoy doing them. Mm-hmm.
2: So thanks, Laurie. Yeah, I think some of the pre-moratorium this. were really, they were really fun. And I think, you know, I, I guess my personal perspective is, yeah, HQ has sucked out some of the fun, but they've also made it easier to see if you qualify. You don't have to go do all the bookkeeping. You don't have to do this. And, and I'm sure from the re- reviewer perspective, it's better. I can see this one creating a lot of controversy because the color has to be in the name of the cash title. Well, I found the Bluebird House Cash. The color blue is in there, but that doesn't qualify. Okay,
3: not not as a compound it's word. according just, to this yeah, cash owner. According to this yeah. cash. But
1: In two years from now, I'm gonna the bluebirds have moved out, and there's a cardinal. So now I'm gonna change the cash name to the red bird cash. All oh, right, yes, <laughs> there we go. Because someone else changed something on it. That's right. <laughs> you guys remember, like I I remember that the pre moratorium stuff where I would go out and have a great caching trip, and then I would come home and literally feel like I had to do homework. I don't know how many challenges I had. Yeah. That I was like, you know what? I am not going to sit here and find <laughs> 25 GeoPets trackable tags that I have logged and document that. It's the font's not worth it to me. Right. Like it, it felt like homework sometimes. Right. and that's right. And that's one of the cool things. Like, I, I thought it was funny that both of these have popped up in pre moratorium. Right. This is the thing that we always have to remember, like, because I'm like, tomorrow somebody's going to come in and submit this in Tennessee. Like, hey, here's, I want to do that cool pie thing that was in the thing. I'm like, Yeah, well, here's why we can't do that now. I I love that they grandfathered stuff and that we didn't lose those things. But there's a reason why. And there was a lot of thought that went into the new guidelines. And it does make it easier for us to get more challenges published. And we don't have to do homework. And I hate homework. (laughs) (laughs) I said, we had a local hider that I thought that, like, their whole point was to, like, how much work can we make the hider do to verify their thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. Now there was a cache that I had to the same thing. I just, I submitted and said, I know I qualify. I can't prove it. If you question me, fine. You know, delete my log. It's good. So, all right. So, I guess bottom line, don't be afraid to place a cache. Work with your reviewer. They are really nice people, too. Well, okay.
1: <laughs> my camera's reversed. So I keep messing up my head my... Most of them are all right. Most of them.
2: There's a couple out there that are not, but we won't go into their names. That guy in
1: Tennessee is the worst, but the rest of them are great. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
3: Good to know. Good to know. All right. And just remember, everyone, with our change in schedule, the next show is the second Tuesday of November, November 14th. And show notes will be posted shortly after the show airs in our um, video description in YouTube and your podcast player. um, So you can catch up with things we talked about and see those submissions um, from our community this month.
2: And we want to thank you all for watching, listening, commenting in the chat, um, being a patron of the show. This month's quote comes from professional basketball player and coach Becky Hammond says that I'm up for challenges. I'm up for being outside the box, making tough decisions and challenges. And I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) So remember, it's not about the numbers. It's really about the challenge.
3: Challenge accepted.
2: Thanks,
1: everyone.
2: Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having me. Hang out.